presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the incredible depth of it, the way it makes us uh, think about all that we assume. And we pray, Lord, that you would awaken us to uh, see what it is that uh, this book uh, shares with us how you want us to change our thinking, perhaps. We ask you now to uh, glorify your word, uh, to draw it out into our hearts and minds, and that we uh, give you glory in Christ's name. Christ actually kind of studying about Jonah, Jonah because uh, it's not at all what I expected. I, I, you think that you know a book, you, you've read it many times, and yet as you begin to study it, you realize, wow, there's more depth here. There's more things that I didn't understand. And I want to share with you seven things that make the book of Jonah very unusual as a book in the mind of prophets, if not the whole Bible. First, prophets were typically sent to Judah or to Israel, to God's people. And yet Jonah is sent to Nineveh, way of this huge kingdom of Assyria that has been Israel's enemy for a long time by this time. Prophets usually obeyed. He ran away. This book, though it is in the Minor Prophets, though it's called a book of prophecy, does not contain a series of prophetic utterances. There are only eight words in the whole book that even speak to a prophecy, and they're not fulfilled. Prophets plead for repentance. They usually never get it. But if they were to get it, they'd be pleased. Jonah did not want repentance, and he was disappointed when he saw it. Jonah, throughout the book, has a disregard for human life, his own as, and everyone else's. Yet, the pagans of the story respect life. Again, it's like the world is topsy-turvy in this book. Jonah misbehaves throughout the whole book. And yet the pagans turn to God in fear, repentance, and obedience. This book is remarkable. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the context, though, because uh, the context is very important, and I think it's why this book was written, and it's why Jonah was who he was. The story of Jonah likely occurs around 760 B.C., during the reign of the northern kingdom of Jeroboam II. Now, Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. He had rebelled against Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And so this is many, many years later, almost 200 years later. And so during Jeroboam II's reign, though, he reigned for 41 years, there was this return to glory for both Judah and Israel. Even though they didn't return to God, they returned to a time of relative peace, and each of them expanded their kingdoms in many ways, it's probably because they stopped fighting with one another. They'd been fighting with one another intensely for a long time. But Assyria, even though it had been a great superpower of the day, had been increasingly weakening over the last 40 or 50 years. So Israel and Judah were feeling very content, very comfortable with where they were on the world stage. And yet, Assyria was extremely wicked and cruel, 
And this leader led the nation of Assyria about 100 years earlier. And for a long time, now they're based in what is now Iraq, and they were fighting other kingdoms, and one of those kingdoms being what is now kind of northern Iraq and up in the mountains, the Kurds and stuff. And so this is what this one leader, Assur-Narsipal, speaks of having done to a city that resisted him. I built a pillar over against the gate, and I flayed all the chief men, and I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I impaled upon the pillar on stakes. Many captives I burned with fire. From some I cut off their hands and their fingers, and from others I cut off their noses, their ears, and of many I put out their eyes. Now this is typical of what Assyria would do to a nation that resisted their authority, that resisted their rule. Within 40 years of the writing of the book of Jonah, the northern kingdom fell to Assyria. And so a lot of this was likely done to the northern kingdom, the citizens of the northern kingdom. So now our text then, in context, you have to realize it was done 40 years before they fall to the Assyrians, and yet they'd been aware of how, just how vicious and cruel the Assyrians were for 100 years. So Jonah flees from God. The wickedness of Assyria, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh is a very large city, way up in the heart of this nation of Assyria. At early in its uh, existence, Nineveh was not the capital, but it later became the capital. God commands Jonah to go there, and what does he say? Cry out against it. It's rather vague what exactly Jonah is being commanded to do. We don't see the details here. But Jonah instead runs off to Joppa. Now, Nineveh is far away. Nineveh, like I said, is 500 miles away from where Jonah is. And yet, where Jonah runs off to, now Nineveh is up here to the northeast. Where Jonah runs off to is to the southwest, to a port city of Joppa. And from there, he wants to go to Tarshish, now, there are two different Tarshishes, as far as I could tell, but one is on the other side of Italy, and one is in southern Spain. They're very far away. Jonah wants to get as far away from Israel as he can. He's running from God. He's running from his responsibilities. So he books passage to this city that is either one or 2,000 miles away. He's fleeing from the very last uh, sentence in our text says what? the presence of the Lord. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Now, at this point, we don't know why Jonah flees. Perhaps he believes God will let him go. Perhaps he believes somebody else will have to do what it is that God has just commanded him to do. But what we do know is that he's flagrantly disobeying God's word. And like I said, he lived during the final generation of this nation of which he was a citizen, this northern kingdom of Israel. He was a prophet of God, yet obviously far from perfect. God had a use for him, though. And as we'll learn and as you know, God did not allow him to escape his duty so completely. God sends Jonah, this prophet of the northern kingdom, to Nineveh, this pagan city that would one day conquer their country. And so, in context, I believe, I see a lot of parallels, and they'll come out in the weeks to come, 
But I see a lot of parallels between Jonah as this citizen of this northern kingdom and us as citizens of America. It's really kind of surprising that you would find such correlations, but I do. And so we are God's people, and we owe Him our allegiance. We just had a series about knowing God, pleasing God, serving God. And so we don't choose what it is that we do. God tells us what we are to do. And so our proper response is, of course, to do what God tells us to do. And yet a large part of this table is to acknowledge the need of God's grace because we often don't do what God wants us to do. We often don't even think to do what God wants us to do. Jonah had it easy in a way. God's word came to him and said, go do this. But for many of us nowadays, we can pretend we don't know what God is telling us. We can say we're not hearing God. He couldn't have said that. No, no, not that, anything but that. So we sometimes hear what we want to hear, and we want to dismiss some of the things that we've heard as not being of God. But yet, you know the difference. We each know the difference. We know when God is speaking to us, and we know when we are rejecting His authority in our life. And so, let's not be like Jonah. We begin with that as the message. But yet, we acknowledge that we are at times like Jonah, and that's why we need God's grace. That's why we come here. That's why we partake of the Lord's table, because we know that Jesus is the only one that has ever served the Father entirely faithfully. The rest of us are weak at times and need His grace. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for this lesson from Jonah. We thank You for the Word being so clearly presented to him. And we may wish to have Your voice speak to us so clearly, and yet if only we would obey it when it comes. And so we do ask, Father, that You would uh, have Your voice and Your Word to come to us each clearly, that we would know it's You who's speaking, that we would have no doubts. And we pray, Lord, grant us and instant obedience. We thank you now for this opportunity to come before you and admit our guilt in sin, to admit our need of you, our helplessness. We thank you that Christ has fulfilled our obligations, and we thank you, Lord, that we will one day enter fully into your presence and be free from sin. We thank you now in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.